0: But today we just want to talk uh, to fathers, and and the title of today's message is going to be A a Simple Guide to Spiritual Fatherhood. Um, It's a very long title, so if you're taking notes today, uh, just write spiritual fathers on the top. Um, But A a Simple Guide to Spiritual Fatherhood, because today I want to talk about what does it mean to be a spiritual father. I I feel like this is a necessity in our churches um, as a whole, in the church universal, but it's a necessity in this church body right here. Is to have spiritual fathers. Um, and the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse 15. It says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. I'm going to stop right there. Countless guides in Christ, but not many fathers. The, the, the word there for guides just meant a type of servant that would walk children to and from school. In other words, a guide that Paul's talking about is he says, you've got a lot of gurus and you, you've got a lot of, um, of, of pop stars and you've got a lot of social media influencers, but you don't have a lot of fathers. And just because someone uh, speaks into your life or it's just because you listen to someone, it doesn't make them a father for you or for the house. And so today we want to talk about what does it mean ...to be a spiritual father? What does it mean to have a spiritual father? What do I need to be looking for in a spiritual father? So those are kind of the the direction we're going to be going today. And and I don't know about you guys. uh, If you're a man today and and you um, are a father... uh, ...how many of you guys remember the day your first child was born? Anybody remember that? Yes. How many of you remember the day you were married... Yeah, not as many, not as many. Um, you're raising your hand, but you know what? I know the truth. Um, the day I was married, I don't remember everything about that day. That day was a blur. I remember there was a tornado uh, that hit town and knocked power out at the church. Um, and that should have been the first time to Perry that she was making a mistake, but she just kept plugging away. Um, she's stubborn, and she's like, I plan this wedding. We're doing this wedding. I don't care what God says, and so, um, but I remember, I remember when my first child was born, when Gabriel II was born. Um, I vividly remember that because that was before I was completely bald, and, um, and I had hair, but I was, I was cutting my hair close because not only was I not bald, but I was poor. And so I didn't want to pay for haircuts, and so I had a set of clippers. And I would just cut it pretty close, you know, just kind of a kind of a buzz cut. And um, I would keep it pretty close, kind of like Brian's hair right there, just kind of a buzz. And, and, um, and I remember one day I went in the bathroom, and Perry, it was, it was about that time, She was showing really big. Like the doctor, Perry kept telling the doctor, look, I think this baby's big. And the doctor said, no, 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 you're fine, you're fine. And we can wait till the due date and everything's okay. And finally one day we went to the doctor and the doctor said, I'm so sorry. And we said, what? And he said, the baby's huge. And um, he said, you're getting induced this week. And so uh, we didn't have much time to prepare. And so we were going to go get, uh, she was, I wasn't getting induced. I wasn't getting, she was getting induced. And so we went to the, we were going to go to the hospital. Well, before we went, I thought I'm going to clean up the head a little bit. And so I get out the clippers, I put the guard on, you know, and I'm getting ready. Well, I said, I put the guard on. I thought I put the guard on and I put that, that clipper on the back of my head to start. And when I put a big swipe up the back of my head, it was very cold, very cold, like metal on the skin. And I pulled the clippers back and I saw there was no guard And I went into Perry, and I said, Perry, I've made a huge mistake. I said, I have just skinned the back of my head. And she looked, and there was a stripe this big up the back of my head of just just plain skin in a head that had hair on it. And I said, I'm going to have to just shave the whole thing off. And she said, no, you're not. She said, you will not have a bald head before we have this baby, like we're not getting baby pictures made and you've got a straight bald head. Now, this is before I understood what it meant to be the spiritual authority in my home. And I was letting her wear the pants for a little while. And and so I said, okay, well, that was like on a Saturday. I still had church Sunday morning. We weren't getting induced until Tuesday. And so I walked in on Sunday morning and I was the youth pastor at the time. And I sat right over here and the entire youth group sat behind me the entire youth group and so when I walked in on the front row and I walked in and everybody's kind of looking at me and we're smiling and then I turned to face the stage when I did I could hear cackles all the way back all the teenagers started laughing at this huge stripe I had in the back of my head and it wasn't like one of those cool things where people put lines in their hair it was just one big lawnmower stripe in the back of my head so that's what I remember about you being born son as soon as he was born, we took a couple of pictures face on only. I went in the bathroom and shaved my whole head, right? So we, we got knocked out. Um, so today we're going to talk about being a father. And, and I know you guys know what it means to, to be a dad. A lot of you guys understand the concept of, um, of being a dad. But there's a difference in being a dad and being a father. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, there, there's a difference um, sometimes in, in being a, a father over your own kids and being a father over um, other people. And and one of the things we're going to talk about today is the idea of a spiritual father is somebody that is not just a parent over their own child, but it's somebody that can father a group of people that can father other people within the house within the body of christ or within a community um because it's important for us to see that that we've got to have fathers i just did quick research and this is one of those stats that every pastor uses every father's day so we all know it so i won't give you the exact stats but it's it's one of these ideas when the father is absent from a home um, you guys have heard a lot of this stuff when a father's absent from the home, uh, the, the likelihood of that child uh, going to prison is, goes up. The, the child's ability to be socially mature and aware um, goes down. The, the ability for, for children to be able to be productive, um, have productive careers, goes down when there's no father in the home. But whenever a father is in the home, when you have a nuclear family, it tends to build up the abilities of those children and it builds up their future. And so um, I think the same thing happens within the church. Church. The same thing happens within the body of Christ. When there is a father present, it tends to elevate the the level of those kids around. And, and when I say kids, I just mean the people that the father has influence over. When we were down in Honduras um, a couple weeks ago, I, I, I may have mentioned this already, but the the church that we were working with um, was a church of a. At the time that we were down there a couple weeks ago, it's a church of four thousand. Before that, it had gotten bigger. Before covid hit and when covid hit they lost a lot of people and a couple of things that we talked to some of like our interpreter and some of the other leadership within the church a couple of things they they told us was um the church was founded by a missionary a guy named bill strickland bill ended up getting old and retiring and when bill left he turned the church over to uh, the worship pastor a guy named miguel and so miguel began pastoring the church and then when covid hit miguel died of covid and, um, and so when I was, when we were talking to him, uh, that just happened a couple of years ago when we were talking to some of the people within the church and some of the leadership, the, uh, Miguel's wife ended up taking over the church. And so she was running things, but, but we were talking to him about the loss of a father and our interpreter said, you know, it's really hard for, um, for the family of the pastor because they lost their dad, but the interpreter said, but what people don't realize is We lost a father. They lost their dad. We, the church people, lost a father. And my interpreter, um, Joanne, he was telling me, he said, you know, a lot of our interpreters, a lot of our leadership, we don't have dads at home. And we leaned on our spiritual father, the pastor Miguel. We leaned on him as our father. And when he died, it hurt everybody. And I just want you to see today that that as a as a man in the house, you have influence not only on the people that live under your roof. You have influence over everybody in this place. As a leader, I have influence over everybody in this place. But I'm not the only one. The the Bible says this. A couple of little side thoughts. These aren't in in the major notes that are on the screen. But the Bible says that Paul, when, when Paul is doing this this discourse in 1 Corinthians 4 about about saying you don't have many fathers, he also alludes to in that passage, if you read the whole chapter, he's talking about um, Apollos and himself as being spiritual fathers. So in in other words, Paul's not saying I'm the only spiritual father. Paul's saying, listen, there are spiritual fathers available. There's more than one. So, So I'm saying that to say this, I'm not the only spiritual father in this house. There should be a multitude of men standing up, rising up to the occasion, taking on the mantle, taking on the authority of spiritual fatherhood within this house. And I want to encourage you by the end of this message today that you can be and should be a spiritual father. Another little side note is this. um, Age is not a factor. Sometimes people come up to me and and they think that because they're young... They can't be a spiritual father because they're young. They can't walk in authority. Um, but the Bible never says that. The Bible does say that, that there's wisdom in gray hair, right? The Bible does say that there's wisdom in age. Um, it literally says that about gray hair. Y'all think I'm joking because um, of all the gray-haired people. Um, I wonder if I would have... I might have gray hair by the time I... If I grew it out, I bet I would. Um, my beard is, uh, is pretty gray. Um, but there's wisdom in gray hair... But there's, there's also authority even in the youth. So Paul says this. Paul says to Timothy, who was a young man that was younger than the church he was pastoring. Paul says to Timothy, don't be afraid of your youth. Don't be worried or scared because you're so young. He said instead, step up and set the example for all the believers. So even if you're young today, you need to understand my youth does not discourage me from being a spiritual father. OK, um, another one is and we'll get to this story later on. There's a story in the Bible about a guy named David and, and a guy named Nathan. And, and David was a king over Israel and David was in sin. David had um, David had taken a woman that wasn't his wife and slept with her, got her pregnant. And in order to try to cover up his sin, he murdered her husband. And whenever when and no one knew about it except for David and, and the woman and God, and God revealed it to Nathan, and Nathan was the prophet. And Nathan walked in and told David, reprimanded David over what he had done. But most people feel like, although it doesn't say their ages, most people feel like Nathan was probably younger than David. Because David was well into his tenure as king, and Nathan was new as a prophet. So in other words, age is not a factor The the factor that we need to look at is some of the characteristics we're going to talk about today, but then also your ability and my ability to just step into the role, to step into the role as a spiritual father. Okay. and and one other little side note, I hear this a lot um, nowadays and right now, for whatever reason, it's very popular among Christians and among churches is whether or not a woman should lead in church. Whether or not a woman should lead in church. And, and while I'm not going to jump into that argument today, that's, that's something that we can talk about another day. I, I do want to say this. I find it interesting how many men are very anti-a-woman leading, but they're not willing to lead themselves. So don't talk to me about a woman shouldn't be on stage preaching. If you're going to sit back and not lead as a spiritual father, somebody's got to fill the role. And if there's no man to do it, there's only one person left. The Bible says in the Old Testament, in the book of Judges, that there was no judge leading and Deborah took over. She led because there was a power vacuum because the men weren't willing to follow God. So just think about that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it for a little while before you come back and get mad at me about it. Because the fact is... The fact is, a lot of men are willing to sit back, and they want to let women lead, but then they don't like it when they lead. But, but they're not doing it. Um, and that, that's one of the reasons I, I even like to talk about this today. So today, here's what I want to do. We're going to give you four different characteristics of a spiritual father, and I want to talk to, I want to, talk to everyone in the room. So some, right now, some of the ladies, you're already kind of turning me off a little bit, because you're like, I'm not a man, I'm not a son. Um, and so you're turning me off. Don't turn me off yet, because here's the thing. Women need spiritual fathers too. Women need spiritual fathers too. There, there are plenty of opportunities. My daughter is sitting in the back and she's, she's doing the, the words for me today. Um, I'm not stupid uh, completely. Um, sometimes I am, but, but I'm not completely stupid. I know that my kids don't always listen to me. I get it. They're teenagers. There's been plenty of times I've told all three of my children the same thing. I'll tell them some really good advice and they they think I'm dumb. They think I'm old. They don't listen to me. And then one of you will tell them the same exact thing I told them. And they're like, Dad, you'll never believe this is the new thing I'm doing. And And I'm like, I told you that six months ago. You know what I mean? So I get it. My kids don't always listen to me. They're going to listen to some of you guys. My daughter needs some men in this room besides me to be a spiritual authority and show her what a man is supposed to be like. So just because you're a woman in the room today doesn't mean you don't need a spiritual father. I need to show everyone in the room what to look for in a spiritual father. And I need to show the men how to be a spiritual father. And I myself need to learn these same lessons. So we're going to learn these lessons together. The first thing that we need to look for in a spiritual father is a spiritual father should be a role model. A spiritual father should not lead in word only, but lead in action Right. We've got way too many people nowadays jumping on TikTok and 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 getting on the news and they want to tell you what to do, but they don't live the life that they're talking about. We want to lead in action. And so it's important for us to find this as a as a son or a daughter today. What am I looking for? I need to look for a solid example. I need to stop hanging out with people that are going to lead me astray. Jesus said that some people are are like blind guides leading blind people. They all fall in a ditch together, right? So you've got to understand, who am I following? Who are the people in my life? Who are the men in my life that I need to be listening to, that I need to be looking up to? Um, the, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It says, don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. You put yourself around the wrong people, and you're going to find yourself corrupted. I was at the gas station yesterday, and... Um, as, as getting ready we've got a we, we've got a trip we're going on and and we've got a six hour drive and um and so I need some caffeine and so I'm in there getting my caffeine and and my brother in law jesse he likes caffeine too and so I found a strawberry um what did I find a strawberry bubblelicious flavored drink <laughs> And I don't know how girly it sounds, but I'm a big strawberry fan. And, uh, and I'm, I'm proud to admit it. I like some strawberries. So, so I, I got him one. I got me one. I'm standing in line. And there is this guy just ranting and raving and cussing. And he's mad. And he's standing in front of me. And he's talking about how he lost $20 and it fell out of his pocket. And his friend that he thought was his friend picked up $20 and said, look, I'm blessed. I found $20. He's like, that was my $20. And this guy's having a whole conversation with the guy behind the counter. The guy behind the counter could not care less. I mean, the guy behind the counter is just like, whatever man like hurry up and get out of my store and so the guy behind the counter finally looks over at me like literally does this and says sir can I help you and the other guy was like oh I guess I need to leave and he's like yeah go ahead and um and so I walked up and the guy behind the counter told me he said my dad always told me you put yourself around bad people bad things are going to happen to you and 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 so um I said well I'm preaching about that tomorrow actually so um so that's the truth if we put ourselves around bad guides all they're going to do is lead us into a ditch and, and I see this all the time that, that we want to be influenced by what someone says on TV. We want to be influenced by what someone says on social media. We want to be influenced by somebody that's cool or somebody that's hip or somebody that, that we think has it all together instead of really researching and finding out is this person living what they're saying. I can't tell you how many times I've been disappointed. And I know all of us fail. I know all of us do. I know I'm a disappointment at times. I'm, I'm positive I've disappointed my kids. There's been plenty of times I've had to apologize to my kids for me being um, a jerk or, or being bad or whatever the case may be. But I can't tell you how many times I, I've read books and listened to sermons only to find out that this person that I'm, that I'm looking up to is, is sleeping around on his spouse. And I'm like, this guy could have been a spiritual father, but he's, he's ruined it by not living what he's talking about. No repentance, no change. And so we gotta set the example. I I try my best to set the example with my kids when it comes to just what I said about apologizing. You know, there's a lot of us that as men we become very prideful and we don't want to apologize when we've messed up. The other day we were we were at the house and um it's so stupid. I mean I I'm kind of embarrassed even telling myself, but the other day we're at the house and it's late and I'm tired and I'm old and so when I'm old I I just get tired really easy and I want to go to bed sometimes. And so I go and I'm laying in my bed and Perry is laying in the bed. And all of a sudden, all three of my kids come in my room. Now, now this should be a joyous occasion. I should be excited because my kids, some of them work and they play ball. And so we're spread out all over the place all the time. And, and th- I've got this moment where I've got all the kids in my room wanting to, to be with me and Perry. And you know what I said? I said, get out of my room. <laughs> Just give me some peace. I just want to close my eyes. Please leave me alone. And you know what my kids did? My kids just laughed in my face and got in my bed. (laughs) And I just kept saying it. I just just became a broke. I said, please get out. Just please leave me alone. And Perry said, oh, my babies, my babies, you know. Eventually, around midnight, I got to go to sleep. You know, it was one of those deals. And, um, and the next day, I, I thought about it. I thought, man, what a jerk. Yeah. And so... Uh, <laughs> felt like a good time to drink my water right then. So I, 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 I text Perry, she was at work. I said, hey, I'm sorry about last night. And then, and then whenever I came in contact with the kids, I said, hey, I just want to apologize for the way I acted last night. Now, that's not necessary all the time to do, but listen, you've got to lead by example. If you want your kids... To do the right thing, you've got to do the right thing. And sometimes we think as a leader in the home that we can't, we've got to be above that and we've got to be perfect. Listen, the fact is, none of us are going to be perfect. So, so one of the things you need to be as a role model is not be perfect as a role model, but be quick to apologize as a role model. Set that example. Um, a couple of things the Bible says in following the right fathers. The Bible says this in Philippians 3 17. I'm going to hit you with three verses real quick. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine, this is Paul, and learn from those who follow our example. So Paul is taking a bold step here, but he's saying, pattern your life after me. There are spiritual fathers that we need to find that we need to pattern our lives after. It doesn't mean you've got to completely emulate them. You don't have to do everything that they do, but you need to see the patterns of their life. And you need to learn how to pattern your life after them. Proverbs thirteen twenty says this. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Some of you Some of you right now are thinking about um, your your business, your life, some of the things you're doing, listen, walk with the wise. put yourself put yourself with a spiritual father, and we think of it in just in church terms, but but I think about it in what about life outside of church? Walk with the wise, right? Put yourself around people that know what they're doing in your sphere of influence. put yourself under a spiritual father, don't walk with fools, you'll get in trouble. Hebrews 13, 7 says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God and think of all the good that has come from their lives and followed their example of faith. Um, I I remember growing up, uh, I say this every year at Father's Father's Day, obviously my dad has been an incredible example to me and an incredible role model to me growing up. Um, I, I, I know that and everybody knows that. He's a spiritual father to a lot of you right? And so we get that. Um, one you don't know, and I talk about him often, is my father-in-law was a great spiritual father to me. Taught me a lot of things spiritually um, and about life. But then there's another one, a guy named Wit Sasser. You guys don't know Witt. Um, I wish Wit were here today. Witt's, uh, he's probably the most fit person I know at However old he is, how, how, he's got to be in his 60s now, I, I would think. And, and Wit's extremely um, just one of those dudes. He's, he's a man's man. Um, wit taught me how to camp and how to how to, you know, go out in the woods and do some stuff that dad taught me how to hunt and fish and wit took me out in the woods and camped all the time and and um and hiking and and, and wit taught me a lot of stuff and i can look i can just start naming off men in my life that i consider spiritual fathers that that led me as a child led me even as adult and so it's important for us to remember those guys that we have put ourselves around people that are that are still living right and i love the fact that the the men that i just mentioned are all still serving jesus the men that i've mentioned are all still faithful to their spouses um they're they're all still uh, godly men so it's important as a father, so that's as, a, as a, a, a child looking for a father. As a father, here's a couple of things that we need to do. We need to set the example. Titus 2, 7 and 8 says this. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. I love that. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. What are you teaching people? What are you talking to people about? And is your life reflecting that? Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. Ephesians 5, uh, 1 and 2 says, um, If you don't know who to imitate fathers out there you're wanting to be a father you don't know what to do how how can i be a father who do i have to imitate imitate god the bible says in everything you do because you are his dear children live a life filled with love following the example of christ he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us a pleasing aroma to god you know i've i've had people um tell me before you know you're you're the pastor you're in charge you shouldn't do Certain things. Someone told me the other day I said, um I was talking about driving back from our missions trip and and someone that doesn't go to our church, they said, but you're the pastor, don't you have someone coming to pick you up in Atlanta? And I said, You evidently don't know my church? (laughs) I'm not that kind of pastor. Right? Listen, there there's a place in life and, and I get it, there's a place of honor where we honor people and we do that kind of stuff or whatever. But there's also a place in life where you learn to work hard, and you learn just to set the example, and you learn to sacrifice. Sometimes you've got to sacrifice in life. And as a father, I can't sit around and moan and groan if, if people aren't waiting on me hand and foot. I just thought of something funny. Um, we had this guy that he's passed on now, but he was in our church um, in, in Auburn when I was a kid growing up, and, and his wife's name was Pat. And um, everybody called her Pat, but he called her Patsy. And, um, and I remember he used to sit in his chair, um, and he would not, when he got done drinking his sweet tea and it had ice in it, he would sit in his chair and he would just shake his glass. Chicken 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 Patsy, Patsy, need more tea. And Pat would come running in. She would grab that glass and she would go fill it up with tea and come running back to him. Some of you dads are like, yeah, that's right. That's what I want. That's what I want. Good luck, fellas. I'm going to tell you right now, there's only one Patsy in the world, and uh, she ain't here. Um, but last night, I tried, to, I tried to tell Perry, I started shaking my glass, and, and she just laughed at me. It was weird. <laughs> we think sometimes that we're the king of the castle, but, but sometimes, listen, really, Paul says this, as a spiritual father, I really serve. I really serve. I'm not, Jesus said, I'm not here to be served, I'm here to serve. And I think if we create a culture where a spiritual father is the one that serves, I think we're going to create a better culture than if we create the culture where the spiritual father is to be worshipped. If I'm the spiritual father of the house, I'm not to be worshipped. It's my job to serve you. But it's my job to set that example because you should be serving each other too, right? And and so we, we get caught up sometimes in this, I am the spiritual authority. We're not that important. The second thing a spiritual father does is a spiritual father knows how to admonish. I love the word admonish. It's new to my vocabulary. I just picked it up this week. All right. Um, now, some of you guys, you're, you're way smarter. You probably have it in your vocabulary already. But, but just for the sake of the handful online that are watching that don't know, uh, the word admonish means this. It, it's like a word for discipline or correction, but it's a way nicer word. Um, so, it means to caution, to advise, to counsel against wrongdoing. It means to reprove. It means to scold, but in an encouraging way. And it means to urge someone towards duty. I love the word admonish because a spiritual father should be one that admonishes those in his care. A spiritual father should admonish. Did I put all those words up there? I did. Um, It's it's someone that should admonish those in his care. In other words, it's not my goal to berate or beat up. It's not my goal to take the rod and, and beat you with the rod. It's my goal as a spiritual father to guide and direct you with the rod. It's my goal as a spiritual father to encourage you and to guide you, not to always kick you. Does that make sense? And so it's not a matter of, Hey, well, Gabriel, aren't we supposed to correct those that are wrong? Absolutely, you're supposed to correct those that are wrong. But if all you do is correct without love, it turns into abuse. Right? Right? And so what we want to do is we want to admonish. It's a way of correction but it's a way of correction with love and patience. So as a son, what do I do? As a, as a son, what am I looking for? Um, how, do I, how do I attract a good spiritual father in my life when it comes to admonition? First of all, I need to be humble and I need to give room for correction. I need to understand that even myself, and, and, and I do this all the time um, with, with my own dad, uh, with one of my, my overseer Jimmy Watson. Um, I'll, I'll do this with Pastor Nathan, and I'll just say, hey, look, I could be wrong in this situation, but here's what I'm thinking, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. And I'm absolutely open to correction, and we should all be open to correction. We all don't have it all together We need correction, right? That's good for us. The Bible says this in Proverbs 12, 1. It says, learn to love. I mean, to learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. You know how far I had to dig to find the scripture that said stupid? (laughs) I love it. I love it. So if you're a kid in the room today, um, stupid is a biblical term. Um, Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 5, and 6 says this. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as a child. It's important to see that correction and discipline is a sign of love. And I should embrace correction and discipline in my life. It's important to see that as a son, what am I looking for in a father? I'm looking for someone that doesn't always tell me that everything I'm doing is perfect and right. I'm looking for someone that's willing to speak the hard truths into my life. So I've got this guy, Jimmy Watson. I told you guys about him last week. I think I've got this guy, Jimmy Watson, that lives in Hartsville, Alabama, and he's a pastor. And I've known Jimmy for a number of years. And I told Jimmy, I said, I need you to be an overseer for me. I need you to speak the hard truths into my life. If I'm doing something stupid, I need you to point it out. If I'm saying something wrong, I need you to call me out on it. I said, I need you to speak the hard truths because I don't need yes men. I don't need people around me that tell me everything is sunshine and rainbows when in reality my life is falling apart. I need people that are willing to speak the truth. And and as a man, I need to be willing to accept that. And as a father, so if that's a son, as a father, we need to learn to correct in love and with purpose one of the definitions of admonition was to urge toward duty i love that term what does that mean listen we live in a world today full of confusion we live in a world today full of, full of insecurity. We live in a world today full of anxiety. We live in a world today where people don't know who they are or what they are and, and, and they, they, they can't figure out life. And, and what we do is we sit back and we laugh at them and we point the finger at them and we say, look at those weird people that are dressing funny or acting funny instead of pushing them towards purpose. Instead of guiding them and fathering them and, and, and being that covering for them, we stand back and we watch them from a distance. But the Bible says to admonish means to urge someone towards purpose. Listen, as we see people that are, that are doing wrong in the house, it should be our goal as a father to urge them towards purpose. It's not just a matter of me telling you, Hey, Allie, what you're doing is wrong. It could be a matter of me saying, hey, Allie, look at what you could be doing. And if you would stop this, you could get there much faster. Look at what God's called you to do. And if you lay this aside, look at how much quickly you can or how how much faster you can get to where God's calling you to be. There's a way to correct and a way to push towards purpose. The third thing that a father is, is a father is a protector. A spiritual father protects. I was, I was watching a video, and this is, this is kind of a bad... I don't even like to say this, what I'm about to say. But I was watching a video, and it was, it was a video of someone that had, they had interviewed um, a man in prison. The man in prison um, just, just had a record for uh, seeking out, kidnapping, abusing, and, and killing children. Horrible, horrible human being. And the guy that was doing the interview asked him the question. He said, what is it that you look for when you target a child? And the guy said, I don't really look for anything in the child. I look for characteristics in the family. And he said, one of the things that deters me is if the father seems like a threat, I stay away from that family. Folks, we live in a world today... Where fathers aren't threats anymore. We teach our boys to be nice and gentle and feminine. And we teach our boys to, you know, we don't fight. We, we don't, you know, we, we play nice all the time. And we've completely pulled manhood away from our children. We've pulled the role of protector away from our children. I remember when I was getting picked on in school one time, and, and my dad sent my brother on the bus with me. Now, my brother, we went to the same school. He's nine years older than me, so he drove himself to high school. It was, a big, it was a very big school. He drove himself to the high school part. I rode the bus to the elementary school side, but I remember I had an older kid picking on me, and dad told my brother, you're riding the bus today, and you're riding Gabriel's bus, Right? What happened? He sent a protector. And, and my dad told my brother, if you have to beat up a sixth grader, beat him up. <laughs> like it is what it is. You're not going to be in trouble. You won't be in trouble at home. You might get in trouble at school, but you won't be in trouble at home. Why? Because you're protecting your little brother. A spiritual father has to be a protector. We need to be a threat to anyone that would attack someone within our circle. And, and, and I know we want to get hyped up and everybody's like, yes, I want to be a threat. Give me a gun. Let's go. It's not about wearing a gun. And I'm a gun guy. I love guns. It's not about that. Because here's the thing. Yes, we need to be a physical um, uh, protector over our family. We need to physically protect those around us. If you see someone hurting or broken and they're being picked on, yes, absolutely step in. But listen, there's this whole spiritual side. And we get so hyped up as men in the South about, can I carry a gun? And Jim McChesney the other day gave me a baton. It's like a handle and you sling it and the whole baton comes out like cops shoes. And I love it and I want to hit somebody with it. And the first person that volunteers, I'll whack you with if you want me to. But But he gave me that. And I get excited about stuff like that, and that's a lot of fun to to think about that. But here the reality is we get excited about getting in a fight in real life, and we allow the devil to beat people up spiritually all around us. And we got to step up in a spiritual sense. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 5:8 Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking for non-threatening people. He's looking for people that are isolated, that are lonely. He's looking for people that are hurt and that are broken, that can't get away from him. And he's looking for people that don't have a spiritual father to protect them. Psalm 84, uh, eighty-two, four says this, Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. So what do I need to do? If I'm a son, I need to learn to be humble and not fight alone. Don't fight alone. If you're being beat up by your enemy, you need to go find a big brother. You need to go find a spiritual father. You need to go find somebody that can fight with you and fight for you. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how experienced you are. All of us at some point find ourselves in need of protection. All of us at some point find ourselves in need of somebody to stand alongside us. Why do we pray every Sunday morning after church? We pray every Sunday morning after church because I believe in spiritual warfare. I believe that you and I are under attack on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. And we need people to pray with us. We need people to put their arms around us and say, hey, this isn't just a, a oh, God, help them. This is, hey, we're in a spiritual battle, and I'm going to fight with you. One of the things that I'm, I'm really proud of, and I'll, I'll call out, um, I'll call out one, one group, but dad always comes down, and mom always comes down, and they, they help pray. They lead our prayer team. But, um, but, but I've, seen, I've seen guys, Cam and Maggie, for example, I've seen Cam and Maggie come down for prayer all the time. And it's not because Cam and Maggie have a whole lot of problems. I mean, maybe they, maybe they do. I don't know. But um, it's not because they got a whole lot of problems. It's, it's Cam and Maggie. And, and now listen, for those of you that don't know Cam, he sits over here and I talk about him sometimes. Cam is absolutely, pound for pound, one of the strongest humans I've ever met. Like Cam is crazy strong, crazy athletic. I would never want to get in a fight with Cam. Cam used to be a wrestler and he would, he would bend me up like a pretzel and tie me in a knot. Like I would never touch Cam. But just because you can be physically imposing doesn't mean that you don't need help in a spiritual battle. And one thing that Cam and Maggie lead by example in this house is they lead by the example of they are willing to humble themselves and say, who we, we need to go get prayer. We need somebody else to stand in the gap. We got a spiritual battle. We're going to go get prayer. And so I want to encourage you. The Bible says in James five, if, if anybody's sick. You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. That word sick there doesn't just mean physical sickness. It also means mental or emotional stress or problem. If you're having a spiritual issue today, you're in a spiritual battle. As a son, go find a spiritual father. Find someone to pray with you. As a father, you and I need to be spiritual threats. Ephesians 6 says this in verse 10. It says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Some of us struggle sometimes because we're not strong in the Lord. It's great that you know how to shoot a gun straight. It's great that you know how to wrestle. It's great that you know how to um, fight. It's great that you can do a hundred pull-ups. It's great that you have all the physical things that you need to win a fight. But listen, if we're not spiritually strong, if we're not strong in the Lord... There's an enemy out there that doesn't care how physically imposing we are. He can take us down. We've got to be willing to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. In other words, I need to be leaning into God's power, not just my knowledge, not just my information. I need the power of God working in me and through me every day. I need to be seeking out His power, His strength. I need to be praying, reading my Bible. I need to be consuming what I can of God, putting myself in His presence. Verse 11 says, "...put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and and blood enemies." but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Guys, as spiritual fathers, we need to be spiritual threats. When the enemy comes against someone in this house, we need to be willing to stand up and attack. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Part of it it looks like worship on a Sunday morning. Part of it looks like, hey... As a spiritual father, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship God in this house. Why? Because the Bible says that my worship is a form of warfare against the enemy. When God would send out armies sometimes, he would send out worshipers first. The Bible says there was a king named Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat was going to war. He sent out worshipers first. He sent out the band and the worship team first. And what did they do? They began to worship God, and the Bible says it sent the enemy into confusion, and the enemy killed themselves before the battle even got started. Why? Because worship is powerful in the spiritual world. And I want to encourage you guys, as dads, as men, uh, the, the men of this house, we need to be the ones that lead the way in worship. Right. We need to want, be the ones that are that are worshiping God, that are showing everyone else how to do it. We shouldn't be sitting back waiting on someone else to get it started. Lead the way in spiritual warfare. The fourth one and the last one is this. A spiritual father restores. James 5, verses 9 through 20, 19 through 20 says this. Uh, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings, that, brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. A spiritual father restores those around him. A spiritual father restores. This shouldn't be hard for us as men. I'm, I'm not a car guy. Um, but you see car guys all the time, right? And what do they love to do? They love to restore old cars. But you look at most men, we love, we all have something that we like to restore. We all like, have something that we like to tinker with or work on. Um, in, in our home, it was always guns or knives or, or tomahawks or camping gear. Like We were always tinkering with something. Fishing lures. My son always has his fishing gear out. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, "Oh, I'm just restringing this. I'm like, why are you restringing it? I don't know. I just wanted to. Just tinkering. That's what men do. We like to fix stuff and work on stuff. I don't like to fix washers and dryers, but my wife thinks I do. Um, but there's other things that I like to fix. And so, and so, so listen, but in the spiritual, in the spiritual There are people that God's going to place in your life that you need to restore. I can't restore everybody in the house. I can't. I wish I could. I wish I could. And and listen, here's my problem. Once I get started with Sean, about the time I get started working on Sean, then Brian calls me and says, I got a problem. And so then I start working on Brian. and, And then Dexter calls and I start working on Dexter. And next thing you know, Sean's over here falling apart, and I'm trying to run back over here and spin that plate a little bit more, and I can't do it all. But people think that, oh, because you're the pastor and we pay you, then you should, you should be the one to go to all the people. I, I want to encourage you today. Take the role of spiritual father seriously. As you see someone that needs restoration, you restore them to the point that you can't restore them anymore. My brother-in-law, Jesse, bought a vehicle one time, and it was a, a guy in his garage was restoring this vehicle, and the guy in his garage restored it to the best of his ability. Jesse bought the vehicle and realized very quickly it needed more work. The guy in his garage took it to a certain level, but from that point on, it had to go to someone that knew a little bit more about it. So what did Jesse do? He took it to someone else and continued the restoration process. For us as spiritual fathers, we take someone as far as we can take them. If we can't finish the job, we take them to someone else, and you walk them to that person. The Bible tells the story of the Good Samaritan. I know I've got to finish. I'm sorry. I'm about to get done. But the Bible says the story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan got off, of his, um, got off of his donkey, right? And he walked over, and he got the guy out of the ditch, and he did what he could to help the guy in the ditch. But then he took the guy, put him on his donkey, and took him to someone else that could keep him longer. So we should be in the, in the process of restoring people. Last last uh, little story, and then I'm done. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Uh, this is the story of David and Mephibosheth. Very long, hard name to say, Mephibosheth. It sounds like I've got a speech impediment when I say it. I don't. That's really how it's spelled. I'm going to tell you this story, and, and to be honest with you, this was going to be my message today. And I probably uh, tore up and threw away five different messages for today until I squared on this, what I just preached. And even um, during worship today, Josh, even during worship today, um, you were singing a song, and I was like, I think I might just go back, I might change the message all over again. But I didn't, I didn't, I stayed with it. 2 Samuel chapter 9, it's a great story. Many sermons can come out of this. Uh, This is a great life lesson for all of us. Um, But the Bible tells the story of David and Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was... um, A young man, he was the grandson of Saul, the son of Jonathan. These are important terms. Saul was the king of Israel, but God had taken the throne away from Saul and given it to the house of David, right? So David is going to be the new king. Typically, when there's a changeover in command... In the culture of that day, the new king wipes out the family of the old king so that nobody can rise up and lay claim to the throne. And, and basically, that's what happened to the house of Saul. Saul's entire house, for the most part, was wiped out. Well, knowing that, um, when, when, when she heard that Saul and Jonathan had died, um, the maid of Jonathan grabbed Mephibosheth as a little boy and took off running to go hide, thinking somebody was going to come kill them. And as she ran with the boy, she tripped and she fell on him and broke both of his legs. And at that time, they didn't have the same kind of um, medicine that we do. And so he remained crippled the rest of his life. And in order to keep him from possibly being killed by the house of David, they took young Mephibosheth and they took him to a place called Lodabar and they hid him in Lodabar. It was on the outskirts of Israel. It was across the river. It was was out of the way where nobody would go look. The term Lodabar actually means um, no pasture and no communication. In other words, he was in the middle of nowhere with no growth, no nothing, no production. He's just stuck out in hiding. But see, David had this covenant with his best friend, Jonathan. Even though Jonathan's father was Saul, David had a covenant with Jonathan. And David co- told Jonathan, he said, I will never allow your family to be wiped out. So now David's a king. And we pick up the story in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And in verse 1, it says this. One day David asked, is there anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness For Jonathan's sake, he summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked? Yes, sir, I'm Ziba. Um, Verse 3, it says, and the king asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, this is big. So highlight this one in your your phone or on your Bible. I want to show God's kindness to them. I'll probably need to get to this later, but I want you to notice that David says, I want to show God's kindness to them. David understood it doesn't matter if you show your kindness. David's like, my kindness can only go so far. I want to show them the kind of kindness that only God can give. Zebra replied, yes, uh, one of Jonathan's son is, sons is still alive. He's crippled in both feet. I find it interesting right off the bat, the guy wants to point out the lameness of the, of the kid, of the guy. Yeah, there's one alive, but he's a cripple. You ain't got to worry about him. Just leave him where he is. He's, he's crippled. You don't, you don't need him. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba said, at the home of Maker, the son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Maker's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was, Jonathan, he was uh, Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said greetings Mephibosheth Mephibosheth said I am your servant now I want to show you something real quick Mephibosheth shows up can you imagine everybody in your family has been murdered and the new king wants you to come you've been in hiding your whole life he finds you he finds you and now he's bringing you to the palace what do you think is going to happen I think I'm about to get murdered. I think I'm about to die. They finally caught me, and now I'm about to die. So the first thing Mephibosheth does is he he gets low before David, and he begins right away calling himself a servant. I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing. He's the grandson of a king. I'm a nobody. I'm a servant, right? David says in verse 7, don't be afraid. I intend to to show kindness to you because of uh, my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed low, uh, bowed respectfully and, and exclaimed, who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? I love this. Verse nine, then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I've given your master's grandson everything that belongs to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants go farm the land for him, produce food for the master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson will eat here at my table. I love verse 10 because Mephibosheth is trying to talk about how, how bad he is. He says, look, I'm a dead dog. What do you have to do with a dead dog like me? And David completely ignores him Turns and talks to Ziba and says, Ziba, we're going to give your master everything that his grandfather had and you and your sons are going to work the land and produce for him. You're going to provide for him. The dead dog is over there going, I'm a dead dog, I'm a nobody, I'm a nothing. And David says, all right, you just keep whining. But listen, Ziba, here's what we're going to do. We got a plan working here and the plan is to restore everything that Mephibosheth has lost and... And he's going to sit at my table like one of the sons of the king. Mephibosheth uh, replied, yes, my lord, the king, I'm your servant. I'll do whatever you want. And look at this at the end of verse 11. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Now I'm going to talk to you about a spiritual father restoring. But here's the thing. Yes, we need, as spiritual fathers, we need to be willing to restore those around us. We need to be willing to help them and bring them up. But listen, today some of us come in the room not like, not like a spiritual father. We don't all feel like a hero today. Sometimes we come into the story feeling a lot like Mephibosheth. Sometimes we come in feeling like we're a dead dog. Sometimes we come in feeling like we're crippled and we're lame and we don't have much to offer. We we feel like, God, you don't understand. I've got this weakness. I've got this sin issue. I've got this problem that I can't quite shake. I've got this this past that, that haunts me all the time. You know what God does? God looks at us and he says, it's not about you. It's not about your, your, your talent or your ability. It's not about what you've done. It's not about your past. It's about Jonathan. It's because of Jonathan, I'm going to show kindness to you. It's because of Jonathan I'm going to adopt you in. It's because of Jonathan that I'm going to take you from, from a place of no communication. I'm going to take you from a place of... Uh, and, and listen, when you think about no communication, you think about people all the time say, you know, I try to pray, but God doesn't listen to me. Why would God care what I think? We have no communication. We have no line. We, we, we live in a place of no pasture, no production, no fruit. And God says, I'm going to take you from a place of no production, no communication, no line, and I'm going to bring you into the king's house. I'm going to bring you in and put you at the king's table, not because of what you've done, but because of my covenant with Jesus. Because of my covenant with Jesus. If you'll stop associating yourself with Saul and start associating yourself with Jesus, don't call yourself the grandson of Saul. Call yourself the son of Jonathan. Don't call yourself, uh, you know, well, this is my old life. I w- I'm an I'm a alcoholic or I'm, a, I'm an addict or, 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 or I'm, uh, you know, I, I do all these bad things. Forget about that past and start associating yourself with Jesus. That's where the covenant lies. That's where the covenant lies. David gave him a seat at the table. And I want to tell you something today. God's got a seat at the table for us. Josh was telling me earlier, before service, he said, Gabriel, there's this cool thought about Mephibosheth. He said, don't use this because I'm going to use it one day. But I'm going to use it anyway. He said, when you're sitting at a table, nobody can see your crippled feet. When you're sitting at the table, you're on the same level as everybody else. Now, when you stand up, yeah, everybody can see. When you're standing up, everybody can see what's wrong, and you're lower than everybody else. He said, but whenever, and the Bible always talks about Mephibosheth sitting at the king's table. When you're sitting at the king's table, you're at the same level as all the other sons. Listen, God wants to restore you today. He wants to restore me today. He wants to bring us back to a place. There's some of us that we feel like we can never be a spiritual father because of what we've done in the past. And I'm telling you today, God wants to adopt you into his family. He wants to take you from Lodabar. He wants to bring you to the king's table. He wants to cover your brokenness. He wants to cover your sin. He wants to cover your crippled. And he wants to put you at the same level as everybody else. He wants to restore everything that you've lost back to you. Why? Why? Because of his covenant with Christ. You can stand up this morning. I'm going to ask. Let me read this first. John 1 says this, But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth, but resulting, uh, resulting from human passion or plan, but birth that comes from God. I want to pray for all the dads today. I mean, we did this for Mother's Day, and I really do want to pray for all the dads today. But I also feel like today there may be some ladies in the room that say, you know what, I need to be restored. I'm not a man, and I know this message is kind of man-centric, but I need to be restored. I feel like Mephibosheth today, too. And so what I want to do right now with everybody's eyes closed, nobody looking around, before we bring all the men up, and we will, we're going to bring all the men up, we're going to pray together, but before we do that, here's what I want to do. If you're in the house today, just, just right off the bat, even ladies, men, doesn't matter, and you say, Gabriel, I need to be restored. I've got some broken areas in my life, and I need to be restored. I need the spiritual father, not just the physical person in the room. I need God the Father to restore me today. If that's you right now, just slip your hand up. Just slip your hand up. Yep, yep, yep. Lots of people. Let's pray right now. If you want to pray with me, if you want to leave your hand up, someone around you may put their hand on you, but but I'm gonna just pray right now. God, I just pray for restoration in this house. I pray for those that feel spiritually, emotionally, physically broken today, and they need to be restored. God, I just pray right now that you would move in this place. Holy Spirit, we invite you to move in this house today. For those that are watching online, and you may be in your living room, you may be at the beach today, and you're spiritually broken and you're hurt and you're crippled. I'm gonna tell you right now, the Holy Spirit moves here and He moves who's there he's everywhere so we invite you today to restore and mend and heal those areas of our life god i just pray today that you would adopt us and draw us in to the king's table restore us to a place of sonship and daughtership god put us at the king's table today in jesus name in jesus name here's what i'm going to ask i want all the men to step out of your seat i want you to come fill the front right here all the men in the house Boys too, you'll be men one day. Come on down. I'm gonna tell you, we are blessed with some manly men. We've got cops and firefighters, and we've got all kinds of all kinds of men in this house. We're blessed. Come on in, guys. Don't be scared. Brian won't bite hard. Come on over. Here's what I want us to do, guys. I'm going to pray. I want to pray for you. But I want you to pray for each other. So so what we're going to do is we're going to put our hands on each other's shoulders. And if you have something that you need prayer for specifically, specifically, I want you just to lean over to the guy next to you and just say, hey, I, I need you to pray for this one thing. If, that's you, if you need prayer for one thing, lean over to let someone, someone beside you know, and they're going to pray with you about something specific. But otherwise, I want to pray for you in general, because I believe God's calling you today to a place of, a, a place of fatherhood. You may say, Gabriel, I'm not a dad. I'm not asking you to be a dad. I'm asking you to be a spiritual father. Spiritual father. Gary Wilson. Gary Wilson is one of our spiritual fathers. He's one of my spiritual fathers in the house. And I just look over at Gary, and God love him. Every time we do something like this, he just begins to cry, and he begins to weep. And I think, God, I want to be more like Gary, that would just cry over men, that would just weep over men. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. He knows what God's doing. Amen? Let's pray. God right now I just pray ladies y'all pray pray for us today cuz you need us today you need these men to step up and be the example you need them to be the role model so ladies stretch out your hands begin to pray over these men today pray over these young guys these teenagers that God would raise them up so God right now I pray for each and every one of us myself included God I pray that you would you would speak to our hearts God you would draw us to a place of spiritual authority God to stand up for the weak and the broken to stand up for those that are hurt God I pray today that you would use us in a mighty way. God, I pray that we would be a spiritual threat to the enemy, God, that would try to attack this house, that would try to attack our families, that would try to attack our friends. God, I pray today that we would be role models. We're not asking to be perfect, God, but I pray that you would develop in us, God, a, a drawing to be more like you, to imitate you, and therefore others can imitate us. God, I just ask today that you would help us to admonish and not be afraid afraid to lead and guide those that are wayward. God, I pray that you administer to us today. Help us today to restore, help us to be restored and to restore others. David said, I'm going to show you the kindness of God. What was the kindness David was showing? God, he was showing the kindness that you had already shown him. So God, as you show us kindness and mercy, and God, as you, as you set us free, God, I pray that you would help us to show that same kindness and mercy to those around us. Use us to change a city. Use us to change a state. Use us, God, to change a church. Use us today to change a family. God, I need these men. My boys need these men. My daughter need these men. My wife needs these men to step up. To step up and be the spiritual authorities that you've called us all to be. So, God, right now, as men, we just say we're not going to back down. And, guys, you can pray this prayer however you want to. I'm going to pray it like this. I'm not going to back down from any kind of spiritual threat in this house. I'm going to speak life and not death. I'm going to be a, uh, an admonisher. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to guide. I'm going to be a protector today. God, today I'm going to set the tone. I'm not going to let everybody else set the tone for me. God, I'm going to be the one to change the temperature in the room. When it comes to my worship, when it comes to my prayer, when it comes to seeking you god when it comes to reading my bible i want to set the tone god and so today i just pray that you would help us to be the role models that you've called us to be the protectors the admonishers and the and the restorers that you've called us to be in jesus name we pray amen